Hi, and welcome to Press Pass with the Editor on the Circus Voices Network, brought to you by Circus Talk News. This is Kim Campbell, the editor of Circus Talk News. If you're new to the show, this monthly news-based podcast will revolve around the circus and performing arts industry and provide front row access to what's happening around the performance world. Let's start with in-breaking news. Broadway is back. As New York City reopens, audience members are able to attend more shows. However, COVID-19 precautions are still very much in place. Audience members are required to show proof of full vaccination and to wear masks. Many shows, like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, are being condensed into shorter events, and Broadway has gotten rid of intermissions and autograph opportunities for now. Have you been back to the theater to see plays and circus? If so, what modifications have you noticed? We'd be interested to share them. The Association of Performing Arts Professionals announced a new program, Arts Forward, to support the recovery and reopening of the performing arts. The program offers grants, webinars, and other tools to APAP members. You can visit their website to see how you might qualify, and it might be good to know, as we have been following and attending APAP in recent years, that they've been giving more space to the circus industry in general for their showcases and presenters. Other important news. So, the Big Apple Circus recently announced its return to Lincoln Center starting November 12th. Nick Walenda will helm the revival, and be working alongside producers Aerialists and Daredevils. The relaunched show will feature members of the Walendis family, America's Got Talent stars, and diverse artists from Australia, Brazil, Colombia, Ethiopia, Germany, Russia, and the United States. Stay tuned to this episode of Press Pass for an interview with Nick Walenda himself. In Circus Talk News, on episode six of Audio Explorations with the Editor, I interviewed Charles Batson about his work in circus in the upcoming video series titled Journey Through Queer Circus with Charles Batson. You can listen to our Circus Voices podcasts anywhere you listen to find podcasts, for example, on Apple and Stitcher. And I'm pretty excited about this series and its exploration into queer circus as part of our continuing dedication to improving equity and inclusion in the arts. Speaking of equity and inclusion in the arts, We've launched a new video discussion series called Courageous Conversations About Mental Health. In this series, Cirque Psych founder and licensed social worker Janelle Peters, along with selected guests, will be sharing advice for circus artists about looking after their mental well-being. In episode one, Janelle moderates a panel of three guests, experts, and artists who weigh in on the best ways to care for oneself while on tour. I'm really excited to see this series unfold and to see what guests will contribute to the talk about best practices today for mental health in the arts and sports world. You can check out the first episode with your Circus Talk Pro membership. Now for events. Circus and its others will be hosting their third conference from November 4th to the 7th this year. Their goal is to examine how contemporary circus explores themes of difference, otherness, and alterity while supporting circus arts as an academic subject. We talked to Charles Batson about the conference in the Audio Explorations podcast that I just mentioned. Check it out to learn more about the upcoming digital conference, including how to attend. The fifth edition of the Australian Circus Festival will be taking place this fall from November 20th to the 28th in Sydney, Australia. The festival will feature a mix of ages and disciplines. The ninth annual West Coast Aerial Arts Festival will be held online from November 11th through the 14th. The competition will have as many as 20 different categories based on age and experience, and the festival will also include workshops, exhibitions, and guest speakers. For all of these events, go to circustalk.com and you will find out all the details you need to know to sign up or attend. 
Now for shows. One of the best-known companies from France, Cirque La Rue, is currently touring A Deer in the Headlights in France through October and November. The six-artist show is billed as an homage to cinema, contemporary circus, and to the human condition, with all its comedy, awkwardness, and splendor. It was a recent application in the International Circus Awards, so I had the pleasure of viewing the show and seeing their eclectic mix of presentation styles in the service of telling a story with acrobatic language. If you'd like to learn more about the show, visit their profile on Circus Talk and check out the podcast link on Circus Talk to see their trailer. Also touring around France in November and December is Fair Circus from Cambodia visiting seven cities with their show White Gold. This show explores the concept of capitalism through the lens of a Buddhist perspective with the topic of a community changing its relationship with the growing and selling of rice. It's an amazing example of how circus can be a tool of social relevance and an agent of change, and kudos to Fair for creating such an interesting project. I'm looking forward to hearing about how it is received in France. To learn more about shows happening around the world, just tune in to Circus Talk under the category of Shows and check it out. And now for some industry insights. This year, I was invited to be part of the first ever International Circus Awards Voting Committee, and Circus Talk had the honor of presenting the Circus Talk Critics' Choice Award digitally. We developed the Circus Talk Critics' Choice Award to specifically recognize circus that has a special impact and social relevance. And we were thrilled to be part of an initiative to uplift the industry during a time when we couldn't all be together, but creation was as rampant and inspirational as ever. At the online ceremony, we presented the Circus Talk Critics' Choice Award to Zip Zap Circus for their show Moya. This award was envisioned as a way to recognize the contribution circus makes to society, particularly circus that has a special impact in today's arts environment, or one that celebrates circus. I think this is really important because circus is a type of performance that can reflect the human experience back to itself in perhaps one of the most engaging of ways through action, mirroring our resilience, tenacity, and persistence in a way that the theater of words rarely can echo. We're happy to have been part of the ICA Awards and to help them celebrate extraordinary achievements within the global circus community, to spur advancements in the genre, and to elevate public awareness of the appreciation for the circus arts. Now for jobs. Altitude Aerial Arts and Fitness in Frisco, Texas is looking for skilled circus-minded teachers to lead camps and parties in the coming season. Entertainment Cypress is looking for female dancers and choreographers for their resorts. They're accepting single dancers and dance groups. In Northern Ireland, Duffy's Circus needs clowns and varied personnel for their coming national tour. Join the independent online platform for circus and performing arts and boost your performing career with Circus Talk Pro. Circus Talk Pro provides you access to international job listings, priority placement in the talent database, and access to our career development series and Pro Talks. Get Pro for 15% off this fall with coupon code PROYEARLY underscore FALL21. Now for our education segment with Associate Editor Lydia Nord. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another Education Spotlight. Let's catch up on what's going on with circus schools. For the most part, the academic year for circus schools has started back up. How is the school season going for everyone? I'd love to hear from you in the comments or on Circus Talk. Now let's talk FedEx. The European Federation of Professional Circus Schools is showcasing their student encounters from their circle project at the Circa Festival in Auch from October 26th to the 29th. This year's participating schools include Escuela de Circo Carampa, Equal de Cirque de Leon, and many more. 
Circle is a FedEx project that was designed to promote student creation and visits the Circa Festival in Auk every year. About 50 students are gathering to present their hard work. The performances last 20 to 30 minutes, and afterwards students have the chance to discuss creative processes and artistic approaches. The project was created to bridge the gap between vocational training and the professional world, and as many students first step as young professionals. That's all we have time for today. Happy listening! And now for a new segment we call The Business of Circus by Carolyn Klein. Welcome to our new segment, Entering the Circus Business. I'm your host, Carolyn Klein. In this segment, we give advice to up-and-coming circus artists on self-marketing, finance, and finding your foothold as a performer. This month's focus is on costumes. A high-quality costume you can wear for paid gigs is a worthwhile investment in your career. You can design your own or buy one from a specialty seller. Etsy is one good place to try or check out dance apparel websites. Circus Boss's website also has a section of gently used costumes, so be sure to check the measurements they're sold as is. For more expert advice on costuming, I spoke with costume and prop designers, Samuel Sion and Sylvia Friedman. As well as their design work, both of them are performers in their own right. Sylvia says she finds the design process rewarding. In addition to being able to showcase another of my artistic passions, I enjoy being able to build trick-specific solutions into our costumes to really optimize how they function in a show. My costume, for instance, has a neck piece which anchors to my hair and functions both to improve Sam's grip for our neck hang and to keep rows in off the back of my neck. As mentioned, costumes are a worthwhile career investment, but exactly how much money you can expect to pay for one can vary heavily. According to Sam and Sylvia, different kinds of gigs and venues might require separate costumes altogether, and what might be perfectly appropriate for one market may not fit at all in another. Custom costumes will generally cost more than ones from off the rack. You'll also have to pay for things like the designer's time and any time-intensive details that you want added. Based on her own commissions, Sylvia suggests that a custom-made costume would cost about a week's pay for a longer run, or one to two galas. Want to design your own costume? Well, set out to make something that you'll be comfortable with wearing on stage. According to Sam and Sylvia, starting from a function-first perspective is never inappropriate. You'll also want to avoid any possible wardrobe malfunctions that can happen on stage. In Sylvia's words, durability is important, and it absolutely pays off to make sure your closures will not open if you don't want them to. Also worth noting, if you try searching the phrase professional circus costumes on a search engine like Google, then you can expect to find either Halloween costumes or acrobats attire. If you're an acrobat or another kind of physical artist, that's really good news for you. Other artists, though, might feel somewhat at a loss for resources. Fortunately, all kinds of performing artists can still find inspiration with a few quick tricks from Sam and Sylvia. First, find promotional pictures for shows that showcase performers in your discipline. For artists wondering what costuming would be appropriate for a market they're hoping to get into, 
They will be able to gauge by what other artists are wearing and then determine what kinds of details are expected. You of course don't want to copy anyone's existing costume, but you do want something that you can imagine standing next to these other performers of. As for where to buy professional costumes, look for costume credits or ask people whose costumes you like where they got them. Thanks to Sam and Sylvia for all their input, and thanks to all of you for listening. Now for our guest interview with Nick Walenda, who is about to relaunch the Big Apple Circus. So today my guest is Nick Walenda, and when I say a name like Nick Walenda in the circus world, no introduction is really needed because everyone knows who the Walendas are, and everybody especially knows who Nick is, but just on the off chance that you're listening to this podcast and don't know who the Walendas are, here's a quick bio. Nick Walenda is a multiple world record holder, a professional daredevil, wire walker, and author. Best known for crossing the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls, Nick has been nicknamed King of the High Wire. And as for the Walenda family, the famous Walendas brought their High Wire Act to the United States from Germany back in 1928 and toured with the Ringling Brothers until 1946. Today, they're famous for their seven-person pyramid and other circus feats. So welcome, Nick. Did I miss any important information in that intro? I don't think think so. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. We're excited to have you on Circus Talk, and we just wanted to talk to you about your new investment in reviving the Big Apple Circus. And this is an East Coast circus tradition. Um, Circopedia says the Big Apple Circus as a cherished New York institution, a nonprofit founded in 1977 by Paul Binder and Michael Christensen. And it was originally the performing arm of the New York School for Circus Arts, but it's gone through many transformations over the years. Back in 2019, it was closed up during the pandemic. I just wonder what motivates you to bring the Big Apple Circus back? Well, you kind of hit on that on the introduction in that bio. My family history actually dates back to the 1780s in circus. And it's certainly something that is in my blood. I was born and raised doing it. I have been blessed with an amazing career that has taken me outside of the big top to places like the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and active volcanoes, Mm -hmm. you name it. Mm -hmm. But to be honest with you, I did all of that to get right back under the big top. My passion is certainly circus. Again, as I said, it is is certainly ingrained in me and it is something that that I love and cherish. So when the opportunity was presented to me, there was no question. The only second get thought was I need to reach out to my wife and see if she's cool with it. And uh, <laughs> immediately did. Of course, my wife comes from seven generations of circus on one side, being the um, the Flying Vasquez. So her uncle is Miguel Vasquez, the first to complete the quadruple somersault successfully over a thousand times, of course. And on her other wow. side are the, the Ashton family, which came over to the United States in the 40s for Ringling Brothers mainly known for Risley and foot juggling. But of course, when I asked her, it was a no-brainer. And we're just honored yeah. and beyond thrilled to be, to be at the helm of bringing this show back to New York City. And not only New York City, look, we are looking worldwide, not just here in the United States, but we're looking to take this show all across the globe. That's beautiful. You know, it was a pretty safe bet asking her, I guess, knowing what you know about her background as well. But uh you know, one of the things I think about and um, our our staff was asking, you know, Nick is so f- famous for casting out fear in performing and performance. And we're wondering, are you harboring any fears about reviving the Big Apple Circus? And if so, how are you casting them out? Sure. So it's funny, my latest book is Facing Fear, and it, it talks about 
um, in the last chapter, one of my greatest fears is trying to rejuvenate and reinvent, if you will, and mm -hmm. revitalize the circus. And it's something that I know that I need to try to do. If I don't give it a shot, then I will not feel like I fulfilled my calling in life. So, but there are certainly a lot of fears. And again, that's why in that book, I talk about it being one of my greatest fears right now. So I think one of the greatest lessons I can give anybody when you're dealing with fear is to continue to walk through that fear. So many people are stopped in their tracks when they, when they hit a wall of fear, they immediately stop and often turn around. And I encourage people that even though, yes, there's some fear, even though there's there's concerns, even though there's a lot on my plate right now, I continue to move forward no matter what, even when I am fearful, even when I am trembling on the wire, as I talk about in that book as well, after that accident that we had several years ago, mm -hmm. I continue to walk through it. And, and really, that's what I what I encourage everybody to do. We have to use wisdom. You know, if I'm fearful because my rigging isn't safe, then then I shouldn't get on the rigging. That's wisdom, right? But if I'm fearful because my right. mind's telling me I can't do something that I've trained extremely hard for and done a thousand times two feet off the ground, then why can't I do it a thousand feet off the ground? So it's really about controlling my, your inner dialogue. And that's such a key to success, in my opinion. And some of the most successful people have nailed that part of, of, their, of their mentality is, is controlling your inner dialogue controlling mm -hmm. where you allow your mind to go. And when it goes down the wrong path, you can kind of 180 that and go a different direction. I, I relate it to walking across the Grand Canyon. When I was about halfway out, Jim Cantori, who's a weatherman for the Weather Channel, of course, and he was in my father's ear there saying, okay, you know, the winds are picking up, etc." At one point, I heard him through my dad's microphone saying that the wind gusts were about 48 miles per hour. And immediately my mind wanted to be scared. And mm. rather than allowing my mind or it started to go down that route. And then I went, wait a second, you trained in 90 mile an hour winds for this walk. Well, 48 miles per hour, who cares? And, and that's sort of the way that I live my life. When I deal with something that, that creates fear, I immediately try to counter that with, okay, look, I might be nervous. I call fear respect in a lot of senses. When I walk up to the edge of a skyscraper, my heart races like anyone else's. But mm -hmm. that's because I respect the fact that if I were to go over the edge, I could lose my life. So really, that's that's my memento for for, you know, that that question is we really need to control where we allow our minds to go in all aspects of life. And I think by doing that, we can we can create a positive uh, environment and also create a positive future for ourselves. Wow, th those are great lessons from, you know, the world of circus and risk taking that you can apply to your everyday decision making. That's just very powerful. And thank you for sharing that. Can you tell me what what's different with your plan um, this time? And what yeah. gives you the faith that this is the right moment to start Big Apple Circus right back up? Yeah, I would say there's some fear there. Is this the right moment? But as I mentioned in the previous, you know, conversation, we I we have to keep moving forward. So we can't be stopped in our tracks. Yes, COVID. Yes, there's there's reluctance mm. to go and see shows. And yes, we're dealing with that. I could roll over and play dead or I could say, no, guess what? We're going to give it our darndest and, and do everything we can mm. to make this thing successful. So is it the right time? I don't know, but I'm willing mm -hmm. to take the risk and find out. And, and I think that's really the key, you know, to make things different or to rejuvenate, if you will, I, I've just brought in some amazing partners from different backgrounds. You know, Michael Cole's an amazing producer who has produced some of the greatest and largest concerts around the world. He's one of the highest grossing producers, if not the most in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. So he brings in a completely different background, no circus background, very little early on in his career. He, 
he was a part of a show in, in Canada that he'd brought in as, as he was running an arena, but very little circus background. And then Arnie Granite, who actually hails from the Midwest, Chicago, an incredible Great. producer as well, but bringing in people with different backgrounds so that they can see this, um, they see the circus from a different light. I have a different vision as well. I've always wanted to make the Big Top a theater and turn it into more of a theatrical environment, which we are doing starting this season. And we will continue to add on to over the next couple seasons and, and continue for as long as we can keep this thing going, which I hope forever to pass on to my kids or grandkids or, or wherever else it'll go. But, um, you know, just making small changes, just the, change the environment, you know, change the mm -hmm. setting. I, I would say one of the challenges, I, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in the circus, traveled all over the country, was homeschooled most of my most of my life because I was traveling all the time. It is very easy to be get to to be um, stuck in the big top, if you will, to not. I always say you, we have to think outside of the big top you know, thinking yeah. outside of the box. And I think that's, that's one of the challenges that any business struggles with when it, when it's been run by the same people, the same individuals for generations, you sort of get stuck in a mold. And, and that's the reason why I'm excited to bring in these partners because there are many, many conversations behind closed doors between the three of us where Michael or Arnie will say something, something to me and I'll be like, no way, that's the craziest idea ever. That doesn't work in circus. And then I catch myself, and this is part of that internal dialogue, but I catch myself and I go, no, wait a second. That's exactly what we want. We want to change this. We want to reinvent this. We want to rejuvenate this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we want it to be the same, but different. And that's really, you know, the same, only different. That's really the whole goal is we have to pay tribute to my ancestors, to my family history, to Big Apple, to Paul Binder, to Michael Christensen, to everybody else, but also sort of sort of adjust with the times, if you will, which is, I think, one of the struggles that circus has had over the yeah. last century is, is they have not done a great job. We have not done a great job at adjusting with the times. And, and my dream and goal is, is that Big Apple Circus will now, now start accelerating in that direction. That's beautiful. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I think um, this is possibly the right time. I mean, if you look at the history of after the Spanish flu, the entertainment world really took a big uptick because people were so eager to like get back out there and celebrate all the important things about their life and, and having a good quality of life. And the circus is, is historically one of those elements. So I'm hoping that it'll be a successful launch for you. You, you also told us about your creative team a little bit. That was my next question. Can you tell us a little bit about the artists that you've cast and how you cast them? Absolutely. And I'll go back a little bit. So our, we've brought in Phil McKinley, who has directed several uh, renditions of Ringling Brothers over the years. He also directed Spider-Man on Broadway and, and many other shows. So he's an amazing director and, again, has mm -hmm. experience on and off on the stage early in his career, as well as on the direction side. So as far as the creative team, he is he is part of the mastermind team. It's really the four of us that are um, are behind this and sort of changing this direction. And we do have incredible continuity between the between all of us, which can be rare, of course. But mm -hmm. um, so that's that's on the creative side. But as far as the performers go, look, one of the blessings of my career is that I've headlined on shows all across the globe. And while I've been touring, I've been able to meet up with and perform alongside of some of the greatest entertainers from around the world. And of course, all the while, building my Rolodex. And mm -hmm. really, I've reached out to to a lot of people. This, this rendition of Big Apple sort of became a reality, or this whole transaction, I guess, came a reality sort of late in the game. You know, it's only been 
I don't know, about three months. So mm-hmm. um, I had, did have to reach deep into my Rolodex. But um, we have amazing performers from from really a, around the world, from um, uh, everywhere from Russia to Germany to Australia uh, to Mexico. Um, so performers from all over. But again, an incredible, talented group. A lot of solo acts this year. Um, no big troop acts. There are four people in our wire act, of course. But other than mm-hmm. that, it is really a um, it's really a, a a show full of incredible solo artists. And then, of course, Johnny Rocket, uh, who will be headlining as our comedic performer, who is just a, another amazing character who has not he has not had the opportunity to really showcase his talents on a stage of this level. And uh, I'm just excited. He is one of the greatest guys I know, one of the greatest comedians that I know. Mm-hmm. I know that he is going to become a staple with, on Big Apple for for years to come, for sure. And we also have Alan Silva, who I'm sure many have heard of from AGT. Mm-hmm. He was, of course, on Zumanity for over 20, uh, 18 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, also on AGT was a semifinalist, an amazing, um, an amazing aerialist, and mm-hmm. also even more exciting to me is the fact that he will be our ringmaster this season. And oh. I'm really looking forward to these working with this team. And uh, again, we've, we just try to get a bunch of diverse, talented individuals together and sort of work off of each other. And I've spent a lot of great, a lot of time uh, on zoom calls leading up to our trip here <laughs> to New York city, just going over the creative side of things. And I, I've learned the best way to direct a show. And I've been blessed to, to direct, be a, a part of the direction of several and produce them now, not, not under a big top, not at this level, but is really, you know, let these talented artists do what they do. And, yeah. uh, and it's just fun to get in a room and talk about these ideas. And I'm excited that it finally in the next week here, we'll start rehearsals and we'll be able to actually get things underway and, and let these guys do what they do best. And then and when does the show start? We open November 11th in New York city. We're running all the way through the end of January. Wonderful. So, you know, Circus, it's had a tough time during the pandemic, as you well know. And um, this news of the Big Apple Circus returning has been very inspiring to people. What message do you want to share with the circus world and circus fans right now in particular? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I live by the words never give up. Anybody that knows me, all of my merchandise, most of it says never give up. All my autographs say never give up. And, and mm-hmm. I think really that has, it should be all of our mottos especially coming out of this pandemic, it's easy to get upset. It's easy to get frustrated and depressed because as you mentioned, the entertainment world was the first to get shut down. And it's, it's sort of one of the last opening back up because it does create an environment where people are close together. And, and, and there's a lot of concerns with that, but, you know, I encourage people, no matter what you're facing to continue to pursue your dreams. As I mentioned, is this the right time to open up big apple circus? I don't know that. Uh, is there fear there? Of course there is. Is there reluctance there? Of course there is. But guess what? I get up every morning and I go, you know what? We're going to we're gonna give this our best shot. And mm-hmm. I know it's going to be successful because of the team that I've surrounded myself with. And, um, and and again, I no matter what challenges I face, I continue to move forward no matter what. I might get knocked down. And I think the most successful people in the world, when I get knocked down, I consider that a stepping stone in life. And I think that's that's the most successful people in the world those 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 setbacks give me time to reflect on why I, I experienced that setback so I can move forward with uh, with greater desire and passion to make this uh, in my whole life and career and family successful. 
That's a really great sentiment. I think we should add, end on that because you've, you've kind of said it all and given us some hope for um, Circus and very excited to see the show and see who you've got on the team. It's going to be an exciting process and I wish you much luck with it, Nick. And thank you so much for being our guest today on Circus Talk. Thanks for having me on. That's all for today's Press Pass with the Editor, your front row access to what's happening in the performing world and a monthly circus news podcast brought to you by Circus Voices and Circus Talk, all the circus news in your ear. Circus Voices and Circus Talk are the independent career platform for circuses and performing arts, and they are where talent and seekers unite. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and consider taking a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts so we can reach more people who are interested in circus and the performing arts. Thanks.